Today's program was brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm in Vermont, a producer of award-winning handmade cheese from goat and cow milk. For more information, visit considerbardwellfarm.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm delighted today to introduce Tanaya Darlington, author of De Bruno Brothers' House of Cheese. Welcome, Tanaya. Hey, Diane. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thanks for joining me. Um, I just want to tell our audience, I was fortunate enough to stop by Philadelphia yesterday to meet face-to-face with Tanaya at De Bruno's to sample just a few of your favorite cheeses at De Bruno's and then to run down the street in the rain and taste some more Pennsylvania cheeses at, is it called Reading Market? Reading Terminal Market, yes, that's right. Which was delightful, too. It was great to meet in person because I, often I do have to do the interviews on the phone. Likewise, I just know your voice, so it's <laughs> great to see you in person and to watch you eat some Pennsylvania cheese. <laughs> So um, I want to ask you first, uh, you, like me, have another career, one foot or, I guess, mouth in the cheese world. Uh, can you tell us first, how did this happen? How did this happen? This is a good question. Um, I used to work running the food section of a newspaper back in Madison, Wisconsin, which is how I got interested in artisan cheese. And then in 2005, I packed up my books and came to Philadelphia to teach writing at St. Joseph's University. Uh huh. So I teach writing by day, and I like to say that I haunt cheese caves by night. And you what? I haunt cheese caves by night. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> so um, what gave you the idea initially for your cheese blog, who were your first readers, and how did the Brunos figure in? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I was eating loads of cheese from the De Bruno Brothers counter when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. I was so blown away by their selection that I decided to make a personal project out of sampling their entire cheese days. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this took me a couple of years, but I took lots of notes. And I always shared cheeses with new friends that I was making in the Philadelphia area. And one day someone recommended I start a blog so that I could post my notes and maybe snap a few photos of all these cheeses. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was five years ago, and I started um, hearing from cheesemakers and cheesemongers, first cheesemongers here in Philadelphia, uh, some of the people who are selling me my cheeses. You know, blogged mm-hmm. on and offered support, or sometimes offered me a little critical feedback and said, hey, that pairing really is not the best idea. Come mm-hmm. in and talk to us again next week. Mm-hmm. When so, you started uh, learning about cheese, did you imagine how far it would go? Uh, what? <laughs> I've completely gone down the rat hole, Diane. This is <laughs> never something I believe. Really- I would ever do. In fact, my family back in Wisconsin jokes like you had to leave the Midwest to take on this secret cheese identity. Right, right. Um, 
I came here never thinking I would write a book about cheese. I thought I was going to write a novel. Uh-huh. Now, your day job is te- teaching English at a university? I teach mostly creative writing. I also teach food writing class at St. Joseph's University. We have a graduate program in writing studies that I direct as well. Okay. What's the time split like uh, between their two careers? I'm on campus two or three days a week, like today I'm at my desk, I'm eating a little bit of merry-goat round from my other life, uh-huh. um, and I'm preparing to go teach um, a food essay in my food writing class today at 3.30. Oh, okay. Yeah. Preparing to teach a food essay, like how to write one? Um, my class is reading Best American Food Writing of 2013 for a food writing class. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, now, the book idea, was it yours? Was it DeBruno's? Was it a publisher's idea? How did, how did that come about? I met a publisher who said, I hear you're the cheese lady. Do you want to do a book? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm dying to do a book on stinky cheeses. Mm-hmm. And he said, that book will never sell. <laughs> Which is so sad. Um, but maybe true. Um uh, and then she said, well, you know what? No, you have a relationship with the Bruno Brothers. Have you ever considered um, doing a book with them? Mm-hmm. Well, what's crazy is I really hadn't. I've been blogging for them twice a, uh, twice a month for, I don't know, a couple years by then. Mm-hmm. And I'd even gone in and trained some of their cheesemongers on how to write about cheese professionally. Mm-hmm. So I had a great working relationship with them. And when this opportunity came along, I met with them, we threw some ideas around, and it came together just beautifully. Mm-hmm. Now, how did the format for the book evolve? Was it all your idea? Was it DeBruno's idea? Did the publisher help? The publisher said they wanted something like a Murray's Cheese Guide, something really tiny. Oh. Um, not that that book is so tiny, but something you could stuff in a back pocket and take to the cheese counter, which I was totally on board for. The book looks <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. My dream was to write a cheese book unlike any of the cheese books out there because mm-hmm. um, I have my own little cheese library, and right. I thought there were so many great resources already. I just wanted to do something really different. And your yeah. book is different. It's very <laughs> it's unique. Different. Yes, it's got your your extremely creative personality all throughout it. Oh, thanks. I had a blast with this, and I think because I'm a fiction writer by training, I think about cheeses as characters, mm-hmm. if I remember them. So the book is, you know, kind of uses these funny characters rather than technical terms, you know, like the eight stuff. Uh-huh. Now, how did it get from a little book to it? It's a quite heavy, large book with wonderful pictures. How did how did that happen? It's still a mystery to me. I started <laughs> writing it and turning it in on my deadlines, and the editors just said, you know, we think we might want to make this our big book of the season. Uh-huh. And it just got better and better. Um, I had no idea it would turn into something so beautiful with full-color photos. Um, but I'm just delighted with the production. Uh-huh. How did um, Hunter Fike's wonderful contribution evolve? He's, he's sort of got a lot of factual, square uh, information uh, things in the book. How did that come about? Absolutely. Hunter Fike was one of the people who taught me everything I know. Mm-hmm. I used to go into DeBruno Brothers at off hours, like 10.30 on a Monday, and Hunter would be behind the counter in the, at the Italian market store. Mm-hmm. And I'd just say, 
a hunter, what are you eating, or what did you take home last night? And I'd end up being there for like two hours sampling Jesus with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he had so much knowledge, and I felt like I couldn't write this book without um, his help. He's also a great writer and has mm-hmm. a really good ear. He's a musician by training. So mm-hmm. he offered to do some of these cheese notes. And it was just a terrific collaboration. Yes, it's it's fun because he's uh, you know he's got a different voice and it adds a lot to the book. He said, "I can't wait to send this book to my high school English teacher tonight. She's going to flip." Oh, great, <laughs> great! Now, how long did it take you from start to finish with the book? Um, I wrote the book in about nine months. Mm-hmm. It felt like a crazy schedule because it's 170 cheeses. Right. And I'd eaten most of them and taken notes on most of them. But as I got started, I would meet every other week with Emilio Magnucci from De Bruno Brothers and Hunter and another mm-hmm. cheese monger at the time named Zeke. And I would just say, okay, guys, you know, this week I'm writing about rock stars. Let's talk about these 10 cheeses. Or this week it's Dixon's. Let's mm-hmm. talk about triple creams. And they would call forth the most amazing tasting memories and pairing ideas. And I would scribble it as fast as I could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you had their additional input along with every cheese you were writing about. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They uh, they also read this book over my shoulder. You mm-hmm. know, I would send it around to them for feedback, and um, they were really their suggestions were integral. And even the the selection of the cheeses in this book, we spent a lot of time deciding. All right, how many cheeses and which ones? So we all came up with a list of favorite cheeses and ones that get requested regularly mm-hmm. by customers. There are a lot of unusual cheeses in here that people might not have tried before, but mm-hmm. we were hoping you know, to introduce them, surprise them, tantalize them. Right. I have more questions about that later on, but I wanted to ask about the recipe selection and development. Did you have a different sort of help with that? There was a chef working in the kitchen at the time named Rob Sidor who came up with a list of recipes, and um, I did the recipe testing, but he came up with the general principles behind the recipes. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty um, simple recipes that it's yeah. you know able to almost shop at De Bruno's and go home and, and make. Right. Pestos, simple jams or chutneys to pair with cheese. Mm-hmm. That. That's the way I like to entertain. Yeah, me too. And we've got a few fun ones, like the Limburger Helper or the Limburger Mac and Cheese is one that I just love to make. Mm-hmm. I love Limburger and macaroni and cheese, so I threw that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted something chocolatey with Gorgonzola Dolce, so we developed the idea for the Blue Velvet Pudding. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so that you developed? I just said, hey, what do you think about this idea? Mm-hmm. Um, so the chef and I kind of through ideas back and forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you test it on your friends or test it on the people at the store? or? I tested them on friends and neighbors, yes. But you must have been very popular during that time. I will say my soup is a pretty popular place because I usually have something delicious in the crisper. <laughs> um, how did you work with deadlines? Was that a problem or did you, uh, did you do most of it in the summer? Do you teach in the summer? Um, I was working on it as I was teaching. I was literally trying to write about two cheeses a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned a whole room of my house into a cheese command center, <laughs> and when I went in there, I I just worked on this project. I didn't have much of a social life at the time. Okay. So it was, it was a pretty intense 
I can uh, project imagine. for me because I was working full-time at the same time. Are, are you usually like writing something on the side? You know, I'm as, always writing something on the side, yes. Like it could be creative as well as uh, research cheese book? Most days it's about cheese anymore. Mm-hmm. I have the you know, other kind of more creative projects that I have put in boxes in the basement at this point. Uh, <laughs> where they may never come out. They're in their own cave. I still dream about them, but I am living the cheese lifestyle 100%. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a short break to uh, visit our sponsor, and we'll be back with Tania Darlington right afterwards. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm. Spanning the rolling hills of Vermont's Champlain Valley and easternmost Washington County, New York, 300-acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. Rotational grazing on pesticide-free and fertilizer-free pastures produces the sweetest milk and the tastiest cheese. All of their cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves. Consider Bardwell Farm is also a big supporter of Heritage Foods USA's No Goat Left Behind program. No Goat Left Behind is a serious effort launched in 2011 by Heritage Foods USA designed to introduce goat meat to American diners and provide a sustainable end market for dairy animals. For more information, please visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. Hello, welcome back to Cutting the Curd. It's Diane Stemple interviewing Tania Darlington, author of De Bruno's House of Cheese, A Guide to Wedges, Recipes, and Pairings. So big question, Tania, how did you select 170 cheeses to put in the book? Well, I think at first we were going to only do 100 cheeses. I mean, the idea of 100 great cheeses mm-hmm. from brothers and maybe people would you know, go through it and use it kind of like a checklist. But our publisher, Running Press, wanted something a little more substantial. Mm-hmm. So um, we just sat around and really brainstormed um, some of the great cheeses 
that come through the case, they have, you know, 300 to 350 cheeses at any one time. That's what I was going to ask. And how many yeah, in their rotation? You know, we made the decision to leave certain cheeses out, like Jarlsberg, which tends to be, you know, kind of a mainstream favorite. Mm-hmm. But we really wanted to showcase artisan cheeses and cheeses that the cheesemongers had gone to a great deal of work um, to, to promote. Acquire. To promote? No, to even just to acquire. Oh, For example, okay. you know, De Bruno Brothers carries Andante dairy cheeses mm-hmm. from Soyoung Scanlon in California, and they went to great lengths to woo her in order to be able to carry her cheeses. Right. Sells to like French Laundry and limited farmers markets and whatnot. Right. So, they wanted to put that in in the book, for example, even though it's a fairly hard to find cheese and not always in stock. Right, um, and you have don't... and you have a good uh, selection of Pennsylvania cheeses, which I think uh, are not found everywhere, certainly, and an excellent se- selection of Italian. Is that yes. from De Bruno's Italian roots? Absolutely. So the, the company is run by third generation generation owners. Mm-hmm. The first store was in the Italian market, and um, so keeping with that sort of Italian tradition, there are a lot of great Italian cheeses at the store, so yes. they wanted to highlight some of those, too, of course, because that's what so many Philadelphians come in. Right, right, right. Now, how did, another big question, how did you create your very unique and refreshing categories? Let me just tell some of our, some of the categories to our listeners who have not yet read the book, but they, of course, will be reading it soon. Vixens is one category, rock stars, wise guys. You've got, you break the mold in terms of categories. Nice pun. (laughs) I didn't even, it was a natural Right, yeah, yeah, I do expect you to believe that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so so how did you, how, where did these come from? Had you already called cheeses these things? Not really, although I love language and connecting fun language to cheese. So I think I may have thrown some of these themes around on the blog before. Um, but literally as I was writing, or I was kind of putting together the proposal, um, President of Bruno Brothers told me that, I, that he'd give me full creative license on this book to develop what I thought you know, made sense for the cheese counter. And I felt so privileged to do that because there are a lot of characters that work behind the counter, and I just feel that cheese is so character-driven itself. So I came up with these names, and mm-hmm. I met with Emilio, one of the owners, and I just said, Emilio, you might think this is crazy, and you can veto it, but I don't want a, uh, a table of contents that begins with bloomy, wash rind, mm-hmm. um, terms that the cheese-eating public doesn't really know how to relate to. Mm-hmm. I thought, how can people um, find cheese memorable? I thought, well, if they open and see a table of contents to where they feel like they're going into a party or maybe connecting with friends, mm-hmm. they would want to turn to the page called Vixens or Pierce Punks. Right. More than they would want to turn to, say... Double and triple cream, right? Or you know, blue cheeses, or washed curd. Right, I mean, that could be really boring. Right, <laughs> there's so many cheese terms that are bandied about, and are, and they're so technical that most people that I eat cheese with regularly, you know, who don't work in the profession, say like, I just never can remember what those things mean. Right, right, right. So, now, were there some other categories that were in the running and did not make it into the book? Um, let's see. 
Gosh, yes. I mean, I came up with lists and lists. I mean, we had international jet setters. Ah. Um, you know, we had lonely hearts. Jesus, I was making up all of these possible character types. Uh-huh. And then sometimes it was hard to connect that character type with a cheese. Like, uh-huh. I was an international jet setter, different from, say, the rock stars category. Right, right. You know, so... Some were really obvious, and others took a while to develop. Mm-hmm. Now, one small complaint that I I had while I was reading the cheese descriptions yeah. is that, and this is more for the United States cheeses, there was no listing of state or farm at the top of the page because you didn't do it that way for the international cheeses. Right. And that I found myself missing. Um, oh, Because USA is, you know, too broad, when right. you're dealing with American cheeses. Did you consider uh, adding something like that? I think we got this template going, and we just ended up working with it. Mm-hmm. And I tried to mention the state and the name of the farm right. up front in the first paragraph. But you're absolutely right. I think it probably would be more useful if we had the state um, mm-hmm. in there. Just because I always had to look to see, is this another right. Pennsylvania cheese when I hadn't heard of it? Because those right. were most of the cheeses I weren't, wasn't familiar with were Pennsylvania cheeses. No, that was a formatting issue on, on my part. Okay. Now, I have to um, admit that I work for the sellers at Jasper Hill. Before I ask this question, my question is, how did you pick the rock stars? Oh, those were the cheeses that the cheesemongers um, really championed, and they chose which cheeses went into those categories. Oh, okay. Now, how come it is so heavily cheddar? Yeah, because they were with Montgomery. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of what Keens is also in there. There are Um, eight cheddars out of fifteen. Is that right? Yes. I didn't even do that kind of count. Oh, I do. And yeah, I guess they just went with the cheeses that they felt most compelled by, or were taking home most often at night. And Mm -hmm. there's some some serious cheddar heads that work at the store, especially at Italian market locations. Yes, I mean, I was delighted to see Cabot Cloth Bound in the list, but I, I was puzzled at so many cheddars, and also um, eight out of the 15 are from Neil Jardere, I believe. Oh, I believe that. I know. It's like a <laughs> you have a good of... relationship with them, I presume. <laughs> yes, they're really excited about the Neil Jardere cheese. And I'm thinking, going back to the cheddar, it's probably because so many people come in looking for cheddars, and mm-hmm. so they, they stock a fair number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really keen observation. Okay, what is particularly fun and gratifying about your book is your almost impish cheese descriptions, the personality <laughs> part. Um, I want people to be able to read this book in bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Both yours and and from the quotes from cheesemongers around you, like the description of Harborn Blue, for example, is it's like astronaut ice cream. That was a, a quote from one of the cheesemongers. Right. And and Cabot Clothbound is Labradoodle of Cheddars. Did you make that up? I don't, I don't even remember at this point. Maybe, maybe not. I I can't remember that particular that particular instance. Yeah, it's a very difficult to read your book without eating cheese. Because well, I agree, that's great. <laughs> because the, the um the personality descriptions are just mouth watering. Oh good. I had so much fun with that. I was, you know, writing this book, and I in a room surrounded by books. 
so uh-huh. sometimes I would look over and I'd think, huh, okay, you know, which character from li- great literature would this cheese be? Would it be Madame Bovary or you know, someone else? Uh-huh. Now, um, was... Whose idea was putting the personality of the cheese at the top of every cheese description? Uh, that was early in the brainstorming process. We liked the idea of giving one line of personality with the cheese so mm-hmm. that if you were standing around looking at this book, you could, in, you could visualize something in an instant. Uh-huh. So. And those, but those must have gotten tricky by 140, <laughs> 50, 60. <laughs> Yes. No, it was a workout for my little brain. Yes, yes, I can imagine. I mean, some would be easier than others. <laughs> it's true. I'd written about a number of these cheeses on the blog before, and I always tried to tie tr- in some sort of personality trait or characteristic. So I, I did sometimes borrow from phrasing I, I'd used before just because it seemed effective. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. the cheese from Pennsylvania, for example, that I once referred to as the Robert Redford of cheese in uh-huh. an article for a magazine. And so many people still come up and say, oh, God, I love that Robert Redford cheese, but they can't remember that it's called Old Man Highlander. Right, they remember the the uh, association more than the name. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And you call, uh, you say, you recommend reading Soda Chineri on a, eating po- Soda Chineri on a porch swing or in the hot tub. Of course. So I guess you think that's kind of a sexy cheese. Don't you? <laughs> well, well, yes, <laughs> but me out, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but you know, it's just unusual in in the pairing section to say hot tub is. I, I've never seen that before. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, that was maybe the you know the fourth cheese profile I'd written that day or something. I maybe I got a little loopy. All oh, right. right. <laughs> Um, okay, on a much more serious note, um, I noticed, of course, that the dedication was to Daphne Zeppos, um, mm-hmm. who was also um, not a close friend of mine, but a, a cheese uh, friend nonetheless. And I was wondering if you could talk about how you knew her. That was actually um, a dedication selected by Emilio Magnucci and cheesemonger Hunter Fike. Um, they knew her much more than I did. Mm-hmm. I met her a few times in the stores, um, but we were working on this project when she passed. Uh-huh. And I think she was still in the hospital when Hunter emailed me and said, Daphne collapsed. It doesn't look like she has long. Uh-huh. We want to dedicate the book to her. And I said, absolutely, you know, send me the dedication. And, mm-hmm. and then Several months later, they, they wrote the dedication. That is, is, it's so, it was so touching, you know, I didn't know the connection, and to yeah. have such a uh, full-of-life and spunky cheese book dedicated uh-huh. to her seemed particularly <laughs> fitting for her, oh, good. Uh, you know, her personality and her dedication to cheese. So thank you well, for that. And, oh, and absolutely. I, and I know De Bruno's... Just introducing so many people in the business to particular cheeses, artisan cheeses. Right. And and De Bruno's has helped with I think some of her the fundraising for her um, yeah. her education uh, thing that she sends that they're sending people to Europe to learn about cheese. Yes, they've been really really behind that and we've even done some book dinners where all the proceeds went to that scholarship mm-hmm, fund. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you very much, Tanaya. It's been delightful to interview you and meet you yesterday. 
Um, your book, De Bruno's House of Cheese, should become a cheese bestseller. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Diane. I really appreciate it. Okay. On Monday, April 28th, I'm going to be interviewing Ari Weinzweig, cheese businessman extraordinaire, discussing his newest book, Managing Ourselves. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.